As a teenager, I, I remember a, a statement, strong statement that my mother made to me. I was probably 13 and wanting to watch some rated R movie that had sort of carnal horror in it. And um, she, she, she basically said, Dane, look, what you take into your mind, what you take into your life is ultimately what's going to come out of it. And it always, it always stuck with me. What you take in is what will actually flow out in time. What you watch, what you read, the company you keep, the conversations you have, what you take in will find its way out. So be careful. Wise words from a mother. As we continue in our mini-series in Proverbs, we see parental advice. Uh, a loving parent, a loving father, Solomon, giving wise counsel to his sons. We began uh, last week as Alex Grant, one of our members, uh, preached the first part of Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 verses 1 through 19. And Alex covered the first two sections there. You can break Proverbs 4 up into three sections. He covered the first two. So in verses 1 through 9, Alex covered the invitation of wisdom, the invitation that Solomon gives to his sons to follow in a lineage of wisdom tradition, to, to walk in the ways of sound counsel. David had given to Solomon. Solomon then passes on to his son. So there's this lineage that we're invited into. And then in verses 10 through 19, Alex walked us through the warning of wisdom, the reality that there are two ways to live, the way of folly and the way of wisdom, the way of wickedness and the way of faithfulness. Uh, there's, a, there's a warning there. Watch the way of folly. Walk in the way of wisdom. And then the third part is what I'm going to cover this morning. Proverbs 4, verses 20 through 27, is the internalizing of wisdom. The internalizing of wisdom. Taking it in, digesting wisdom, and finding sustenance and strength for faithful living. And so our take-home idea here as we finish Proverbs chapter 4 is take in the wisdom from God's word and you'll find power for faithful living. Take in the wisdom from God's word, and you will find power for faithful living. And so, let's turn our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 4. In the Bibles we provided, you can find Proverbs 4 on page 530. Proverbs 4 on page 530. If you don't own a Bible, we love to give free Bibles away. Uh, there are several black hardback Bibles uh, in the bookcase closest to the restroom in the lobby. Please take one. If a friend needs one, by all means, give them a Bible as well. So Proverbs 4, I'm going to read verses 20 through 27. Here Solomon writes, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. 
then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. So again, the take-home truth that I want to leave you with is take in the wisdom from God's word and you will find power for faithful living. I'm going to organize our time in this passage in two parts. First is taking in the wisdom from God's word. And that's what we see, a picture of taking in the wisdom from God's word. And then secondly, we'll see how wisdom from God's word empowers faithful living. Powers upright, good, pleasing living in the eyes of God. So first, let's consider what it looks like to take in the wisdom of God's word. We see this in verses 20 through 22. Solomon, the author, says to his sons in verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words. Be attentive. Take heed of what I'm saying to you. Pay careful attention. Listen to these words, and not just listen, but do them. Take heed. That's the idea of attentiveness here. A little word study. This same word comes up in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verses 22. King Saul has just been installed as Israel's first king, their national king. They wanted a king. God said, you don't need a king. They wanted a king like all the other nations. And so God says, okay, but let's see what will happen. Well, King Saul leads them in unfaithfulness. In 1 Samuel 15, he's rejected as king by God because of his disobedience. So there's a surrounding nation, the Amalekites, thoroughly wicked, oppose God's people. And God instructs Saul, conquer them, fully conquer them. No spoil left over, no survivor. Well, what does King Saul do? He walks independent from God. He preserves the life of the wicked king of the Amalekites, Agag, and he takes sheep as spoil. And he hides his disobedience behind religious ritual by sacrificing the sheep that he was instructed not to keep to the Lord. And Samuel, the prophet of the Lord, comes and shows up, and what, he, he says, Saul, what is this bleeding of the sheep that I hear? And Saul says with kind of boastful manner, Oh, I'm sacrificing to the Lord. And here's what the Lord says to Saul through Samuel. To obey is better than sacrifice. And to listen is better than the fat of rams. That word there, to listen, is the same word in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 20. Be attentive. Take heed. So what is Solomon saying to us here? My son, be attentive to my words. Obey my words. Don't just listen, don't just hear, but do them. Do them. That's the calling here. To take in God's word is not just to hear it, not just to read it. Those things are very important. What's happening here is you hear God's word preach. It's very important. What happens in the morning or in the afternoon or on a walk as you're, as you're, as you're reading or listening to God's word, that's very important. But what's the next step of importance is to do it, to obey it. God desires that we hear his word, read his word, and do his word. That's attentiveness, to take heed, to obey it. To obey is better than sacrifice, to listen, be attentive, better than the fat of rams, better than any religious ritual. Jesus goes on to say, if you love me, 
you will keep my commands. Isn't that interesting? The sign of a life in right relationship with the Lord is obedience. Obedience doesn't earn your salvation. It doesn't earn favor. You've already received it by God's grace through faith. But it is a sign of right relationship with the Lord when you're walking in obedience. Life lived under the lordship of God. That's obedience. Solomon says in verse 20, my son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. This is a very important image that you see throughout the Psalms, you see in Proverbs as well, inclining one's ear. Oftentimes it's from the the psalmist who's praying, praying to the Lord, Lord, incline your ear to me. In other words, just bend over a little bit so you can hear me better. It's an image of leaning in. In this case, the Lord's communicating it to his people. Incline your ear to my sayings. In other words, lean in. The picture of a master teacher, gifted communicator. His pupils are on the edge of their seat, leaning in to better hear. That's the imagery here. Lean in, incline to them so you can hear them best. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear, lean in, and hear them well. Solomon goes on to describe the importance of guarding God's word, guarding the wisdom that comes from God's word once you receive it. He says, let them, my wisdom received through my words, let them not escape from your sight. The theme of the book of Proverbs is seeking wisdom fervently, and once you have it, guarding it vigilantly. Seek it fervently, but once you have it, guard it from escaping from you. That's the idea here. Be attentive, take heed. When you receive it, guard it carefully, vigilantly. Why does Solomon feel it necessary to instruct his sons to guard the wisdom once they've received it? Why does he warn us against not letting it kind of slip through our fingers? Because Brothers and sisters, we are prone to spiritual laziness. We are prone to moral laxity. We are prone to spiritual drift. Paula and Larry just led us in a wonderful hymn, Come Thou Fount. How does that hymn conclude? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Those are, those are sobering words, aren't they? Oh, I'm prone to wonder. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. You need Jesus every day, every day, leaning into him. You need his words, and may they not escape you, because you're prone to wonder. If you're honest, you're prone to wonder. Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the Lord I love. We must be reminded, not just to be attentive to his words and his wisdom, but to guard it, to hold it fast once we've received it. We must be reminded to guard the wisdom God gives, to keep it in view, to not let it escape from our sight. Well, what's one way that we can guard, keep the wisdom that we've received? One way is the beauty of community that we have here in a local church. The beauty of community. The beauty of accountability through community. Brothers and sisters locking arms and helping each other study God's word, apply God's word, remember God's word. 
We need each other. The one another commands of the New Testament are strategic. Some 57 one another commands. Pray for one another, love one another, serve one another, bear with one another. You do life as a follower of God together, not in a silo by yourself. We need each other. And so one of the ways that we guard ourselves from letting wisdom kind of slip through our fingers is by living in community and helping each other follow Jesus and his words. You need other people. In this new year, who are you shoulder to shoulder with? Who actually knows you? Who can you be honest with? Let's not pretend like everything is okay because everything's not okay. We need each other. You need relationships where people genuinely know you and can speak truth and love to you when you're out of line. Look around. Allow people to love you like that. Invite people in and experience the community that we all need that help us guard one another against letting wisdom slip through our fingers, letting it escape from our lives, guarding us against spiritual drift and moral laxity. We need each other. We need community. At the end of verse 21, Solomon says, keep them, these words that are wisdom producers in your life, keep them within your heart. The heart is mission control of your life. It's, it's the, the emotional, moral kind of command center, the seat in your life. That's, that's the heart, biblically. Mission control for your life. Keep the wisdom of God's word hidden in your heart that it may govern your life. That's what, that's what Solomon's saying. Keep it in there and guard it from coming out. Keep it in there. Let it be your con- command center, your mission control. Verse 22, Solomon begins to hold out the benefit of taking in God's word and his wisdom. For they, my words, are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. God's word and the wisdom that it provides is life. Spiritual life, vibrancy, invigoration. It leads to spiritual well-being and enjoyment. Friends, Don't bristle against God's commands and God's words. God is not a joy killer through his commands. He's a joy giver and a joy keeper through his commands. We live in a world, we swim in a cultural current that says God is a curmudgeon who is withholding from you. That's Satan's lie in Genesis 3. God is a miser. He's holding out on you, Adam and Eve. You just live independently from him, and you'll find true life. No, you won't. You'll find true joy. No, you won't. Your joy will be killed. Living in accordance with God's commands provides true joy, true satisfaction. Following your own way, living independent from God is a joy killer. So don't Breathe in the cultural air, the cultural lie that the commands of God are meant to withhold good from you. No, God's commands provide good to you, provide joy to you. Jesus says in John 10, we looked at this in our Advent series, I have come that you might have life and life to the full, life abundant, John 10, verse 10. Not only does the wisdom found in God's word provide life, it also provides healing. Notice what the end, notice what Solomon says at the end of verse 22. 
For they, God's words, are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. They are healing to us. This word is used throughout the Old Testament prophets to speak of restoration. Restoration promises. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in its wings. We sang at our Christmas Eve service, hark the herald angels sing. Here's a lyric. Hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness, light of life to all he brings, risen with healing in his wings. Malachi chapter 4 verse 2 is a picture of the healing, the restoration that will come through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the true son of righteousness, who comes and brings healing where it is needed, restoration to rebels, forgiveness to sinners. This is the reality of life. We are fallen people, sinful people in need of forgiveness, in need of healing, broken, flawed people in need of restoration. God provides it through the word, his word made flesh in the incarnation, Jesus Christ. God provides his word written here, and in his word written, we hear the story of the word made flesh, Jesus Christ. How have you failed? As you consider the start of this new year, what in your life grieves you? Where are failure points in your life? What are you ashamed of in your life? Where do you need forgiveness? Turn to him regularly, routinely. Seek his forgiveness. The word made flesh provides healing for broken sinners, forgiveness for flawed sinners. taking in the wisdom of God's word. Secondly, we see the wisdom from God's word empowers faithful living. The wisdom from God's word empowers faithful living. This is in verses 23 through 27. And notice in these five verses how Solomon offers a series of commands in rapid succession, all of which capture what faithful looking, living look like, looks like. Verse 23, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech, and put devious talk far from you. Let your eye look directly forward, and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil." Now notice here, in those five verses, the sectors of life that Solomon refers to. Your heart, your speech, your vision, and your paths. He's covering comprehensively the sectors of life. Your heart, the core of who you are, your speech, what you say, your eyes, what you take into your mind, and your, your path, or your, your ways, your conduct. That's the idea with the path that you take, the conduct that you live. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Guard your heart, friends. Watch what you place your affections on. Be careful what you love. Because what you love is what you ultimately worship. Guard your heart. 
Guard, be careful what you set your affections on. Because what you love is what you worship. Put away from you crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Flee falsehood and deceit and lies. Be people of the truth is what Solomon is saying. Walk in the truth. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Don't even look at the way of sin and folly. As Alex unpacked last week, don't even consider that way. Don't look at it. Go the other way. Flee from sin. Don't look at it. Don't gaze at it. It's alluring. Don't even flirt with it. What do we do, though? Let's be honest. This is human nature. We hear a command not to do something. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 7? For I would not have known what coveting was had not the word said, do not covet. But sin produced in me all kinds of covetousness. Sin taking advantage of the opportunity afforded by the law, produce in me all kinds of covetousness. The problem's not with the law. The problem's with our hearts. So the law is good. The law is given. And we go as close to the law, as close to the line as we can, as close to the hot burner as we can, thinking we're not going to get burned, but we always get burned. I see this in my household all the time. I have a two-year-old, little Dane, baby Dane. He's up there probably making noise, distracting you all. This morning, they got out in the snow, 8.30 in the morning. They went back in the backyard, and Cecile and Soren built a snowman, put a carrot in its nose and two blueberries in its eyes. And what do they say to baby Dane? Don't wreck the snowman. He looks at it. He hears them. He looks at it. He takes a step closer. He takes a step closer. And what does he do? He wrecks the snowman. He gets as close to the line, in fact, crosses the line. And then my son Soren, the middle boy, responds equally sinfully and fires a snowball at his face. They're just, they're born sinners. We go as close to the line and we cross the line. Wisdom says don't go near the line. Don't even look at it. Don't even go that way. Go the other way. That's the idea here. Let your eyes look directly forward. Don't be straying. Don't be gazing at the other ways. Don't, don't be allured by any of it. Straight before you. Stay with the straight and narrow Ponder the paths of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. These are your paths, the well-worn ways that you take in life, your conduct. When Solomon is capturing comprehensively what it looks like to live faithfully, living faithfully involves your heart, it involves your speech, it involves your vision, it involves your ways, your conduct. He's speaking comprehensively to us. Live uprightly. Live uprightly. Well, how is this upright living possible? That's the key question, the operative question. How is all of this possible? This is a tall order. How is it possible? What is our power supply? Well, the power supply for faithful living in verses 23 through 27 is the wisdom that we're supposed to take into our heart in verses 20 through 22. Isn't it good news that God both calls and equips. He gives you commands, and then he gives you the power to fulfill the commands. So what we see in 23 through 27 is empowered by the wisdom that comes from God's word in verses 20 through 22. The New Testament parallel is this, Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, Paul says, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Now, now listen to this. 
That grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. One of the most important verses in all of the Bible. God's grace has appeared to us. How? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh. That's how God gives us his grace. He sends his son, Jesus, to live perfectly, die sacrificially, and rise victoriously. God's grace has appeared to us in Christ. And that grace trains us, teaches us, empowers us to live upright, holy, godly lives denying worldly lusts. Only Jesus Christ can empower you to live the life he wants you to live. A lot of Christians hear the commands of God and they think, okay, Jesus, you saved me. Uh, now I'm going to work on my own strength to, to fulfill your commands. That's foolishness. That is total foolishness. And Paul speaks about it in Galatians 3. You foolish Galatians, having begun by the Spirit, having begun by grace, are you now trying to attain your goal of sanctification by human effort? You begin by grace, you continue by grace, and you will go forever by grace. Jesus calls us and equips us to live the life that he wants us to live. So it's his word and the wisdom found in his word. You take that into that operating center, mission control in your heart, that empowers right living that you see in 23, 24, 25, 26, and 27. Jesus calls you to live a certain way. And the good news is he empowers you to do it. Praise God for his empowering grace. Now let's revisit what Solomon says in verse 26. He says, ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. This harkens back to Solomon's father, David, who wrote one of the most well-known songs in all of the Bible, Psalm 23. Psalm 23, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The Lord is the one who will lead you in the path that you ought to go. He is the good shepherd who leads his people in the right way. Seek him, trust in him. And when you go astray, and at times you will, know this, the good shepherd doesn't just lead his sheep. The good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep so that they can be forgiven when they go astray. The good shepherd, John 10, lays down his life for his, street, his sheep so that they can be forgiven. And this morning, as we continue our time of worship, we have an opportunity to remember and to savor the work of the good shepherd, who not, who not only leads us in paths of righteousness, but he lays down his life for us. And in the, the, the ordinance of communion, we have an opportunity to reflect on the good shepherd laying down his life for his sheep his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, that we can be forgiven of all of our sin. And so if you're a believer in Christ, we welcome you to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning. In a moment, you'll have a chance to get uh, the communion cup. But I just want you to do, in preparation for this ordinance, just do some soul searching. Ask yourself, do I trust in Jesus? Do I know Jesus? Have I placed my faith in him as Savior and as King? And if you have take the Lord's Supper this morning. If you've not come to that point of trusting in Jesus, we ask you to abstain, but to continue to explore with us that you might come to trust in Jesus as Savior. I'm going to pray for us, and then after I pray, we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your grace in our lives. 
Thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word and the opportunity that we have to open it or to hear it preached, to apply it to our lives. Thank you for the, the local church, the community that we have. God, we pray that you would allow us to live arm in arm, helping each other follow you, reminding one another of your word, speaking truth and love to one another. Lord, we're so grateful that you don't just call us to a way of life, but you provide the power supply to do it. Help us to flee self-reliance and to cling to you, cling to the cross, and walk daily with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.